Good morning. Could you get those two lights off? <laughs> Amen. I'm going to pray before we start. God, we just thank you this morning that um, if anything that we heard through your spirit was that you reign over everything, that you're in control of everything. And God, um, I pray that your word would speak to us this morning, your spirit would, um, you know, everyone in this room, you know everything that they need, God. I have no clue, but you do. And so I just pray that you would do something really, really powerful this morning bring a change to our lives and the way we think. Thank you that um, we don't have to depend upon ourselves in this Christian walk, but we depend on you who get us through every situation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can I have you turn this morning to Philippians chapter 4? This morning I want to talk about um, contentment. How to be content versus being discontented. And there was a song way back by the Rolling Stones saying, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and if you lived your life before you became a believer in a place where you were looking to be satisfied, you kept chasing the rabbit down the hole trying to find that satisfaction. And uh, we know this morning that there is one who satisfies us. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're, who we're looking for this morning. And so I just want to clarify something. Complacency, one definition is we lose desire to work hard or strive for excellence. That's complacency. When I decide to not want to strive anymore to work towards something. That's different than contentment. Definition I found for godly contentment, able to have the peace of God in each and every situation, whether it's good or bad. Whether it's good or bad, we are content because we'll see this morning that um, our contentment doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from God. It's easy to say, but when uh, we'll see this morning, when we're put, in the, we're put in the fire, we're put in the trial, let's see what, who we look to. A lot of times we look to ourselves. We look to our way to be able to uh, get, get out of it and come up with our plan. And God has, God has the plan. And if we're li ever living in a time of discontentment, it would be right now. Just everything that's happened in the last year, um, trying to be content in a situation like this. But we see that God is in control of everything. And that when we, sometimes we doubt that, we think, well, this over here looks like it's not from God because this bad thing has come into my life. God still allows those things to come into our life. Satan is the God of this world. He's the source of it, but God steps aside and lets it come in just like he did with Job because he's going to try and test us. He wants to conform us to the image of Christ. It's a kind of love that a lot of times we don't like. 
It's a kind of love that's different than human love. God doesn't, God's not worried about our flesh. He's looking to conform us to, if we decide to follow Jesus, to con, be conformed to his image. There's a lot of stuff that's going to have to be cut loose. A lot of stuff that's going to be shaved off. And um, it's his loving hand. It's still by his grace. And yet he's got a plan for our lives that we can't even imagine. Like we think, well, I'm this old, so kind of the plan is over. Are you kidding me? There's so much more that God wants to do in our life um, right here, right now, and going forward. And so everyone would like to find that place of contentment. Paul seems to think that there is such a place. He found it, and so can we. And so basically finding the secret of contentment. Because I'm sure right in this room today, I look at myself, I look at you guys that are out there, there's people living in discontentment. They're not content with where they're at. So let's read in chapter 4, starting in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. In this version that I'm using, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state that I'm in, to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I remember um, for a long time, my wife could testify to this, that I was bent really on moving to Florida and I could give you all the reasons why I was, you know, the weather, all these different things. And I would struggle with that, and I wasn't content where I was. And one day, in this version that I read, when it said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. <laughs> and it was just like, no. The state of Massachusetts? <laughs> but that's what God does. He meets you right where you're at. And, uh, but I had to receive it, and I, and I finally realized, okay, this is God's plan. And, um, and so you, you decide which way you want to go. We all make decisions. I was just thinking this morning, when we're discontented, we make some of the most foolish decisions you can imagine. Because I'm discontented, I think I'm going to go do that. I think I, I feel like this is the way I should go, because I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. And there are times where the Holy Spirit is, is moving us and guiding us, but you better be sure that that's the Holy Spirit and not your emotions and what you want to do. And that discontentment, sometimes there's a godly discontentment where God, sometimes you're in a place or you're in a situation where all of a sudden God's grace is removed. And so all of a sudden we move with, when he moves. That's different. But there's a discontentment that is human and it can be dangerous. So we see here in verse 11, it says, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. The first point I want to make this morning is, um, and here we are in American culture, possessions do not define you. Let me say that again. Possessions do not define you. And we're living in a culture where it's all about how much you have. And people... I mean, how much more do we have to see when we see, when we 
look at things on our phone or on the news, it's like, these are people that have money, they have the places like we'd love to live in, all these things, and they're still miserable. And they're still killing themselves, and they're committing suicide, and they're all types of things. But here we are, that just shows you how satanically strong that is when you're pursuing that. And I'm sure you've seen people that have pursued it. So the first lesson is, what we have is not who we are. What we have is not who we are. You've been to enough funerals, I'm sure, or wakes, when you go to the, you go to the cemetery and, you, and you're there and you watch, there's the person's life. Nothing's going with them. It's gone. It's, this, is, this is the end. And yet we live to have all those things. 1 Timothy 6, um, 6 to 11, I want to, want to read this. We read this together. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, it's not, it's not money that's evil, it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierces themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So the, pe- the, the possessions don't define you. A person's self-worth is not defined by what they have. Maybe financially it is, but not spiritually or character-wise. What they have isn't who they are. God is in the business of developing character in us, godly character. And that's a, that's a tough road when he starts to work in your life because your character is who you really are. We can, we can be here and we can talk and we can, you know, interact and we can know what to say and what to do, but God knows deep down who we really are and what our character is. And he's looking to develop godly character within us. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said to them, and take heed, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And yet, we pursue these things like we're out of our minds because that's how powerful, I mean, we're bombarded with commercials to show you what you don't have and what you need. And everybody's chasing the same thing. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with having a good job. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but just make sure it doesn't control you and that you use those things for the glory of God. Be on guard against greed. You know, why do you think people live at the MGM casino? They're just there all the time. Because they want to win. They want stuff. I was around a lot of people growing up that that's, they were compulsive gamblers. And... It never, it never ended. They would be betting on anything. What's the weather tomorrow? Okay, let's make a bet. What do you say it is? And on and on it would go. 
and pursuing those things. And, and where it would take them was unreal. They'd wreck their families, their credit, everything's messed up. So they're pursuing, they're pursuing these things. And money is not evil, like I said, but the love of it is the root of it. Money can be seduct seductive. Some, one person said, money will make you do things you don't want to do. It will make you do things you don't want to do. But you'll be pulled in that direction. And that's what takes away your contentment. Content with God, content with your circumstances, content in with your, what is your lot in life. Be content. There's a lot of discontentment in the world. There's a lot of discontentment in America. People are not happy with where they're at. Again, I didn't say complacency. You still work, you desire to move forward and do all those things. But whatever it is, in the end, am I content with my lot in life? Am I content with the hand that God gave me? I'm going to cover that. Am I content with what's going on in my life? Am I content with my circumstances, my situation right now? For a lot of us, we're not. We're not content. We're trying to get out. And there's nothing wrong with changing the situation, but we're trying to, we're trying to change something that God is orchestrating and we're discontented. Con you know, the problem is not money. Our heart is the problem. It's our heart. It's, it's, it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our flesh is always there. I've said it a million times from up here. You look at somebody and think, oh, I could never. What's wrong with them? Why did they do that? Are you kidding me? In a moment, you could be a castaway. You, you could be the same person who makes a bad decision. It starts with being discontent, and you end up stepping out and doing something that um, you would never do. And before you know it, you're, you're falling down a deep hole. So we don't compare or covet what others have. One person said, material things do not make us special. We are special because we've been created by God, and we're unique. There isn't a person in here I mean, can you think of all the people that have ever been born in the world and no one is the same? I mean, only God could do that. It's your personality. Everything about you is unique and is a creation of God and you're loved. And that's, it's just amazing how there's not one person. Yeah, you can have twins, but they're still not the same. So, realize this, nothing we have is permanent. Nothing we have is permanent. We're passing through. We're moving along. We're strangers and pilgrims, it says in Hebrews, moving along through this world. And yet here we are grappling and fighting and wanting all this stuff in an ungodly way, realizing nothing's permanent here. It's, it's, it's sometimes we just need, we know this stuff, but we need, like it says in 1 Peter, a remembrance. Re help me to remember this, because the pull is strong. God looks at our heart, not at our bank account. He looks at our heart, simply. 
He sees you for who you are. He loves you for who you are. He's created you. And uh, whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't change his love towards you. We are blessed if we have the basics, really. What did Jesus say? If you have food and clothing, I provided for you. Food and clothing should be enough. We, we look around the world and we see just the opposite sometimes of what you see in America. People just have the basic needs. They're trying to, they're trying to eat. They're trying to have water. They're trying to have housing. And so you can be rich and be discontented, and you could have nothing and be discontented. I've seen people who are poor who are greedy as anything. They want things. And you think because, well, it's only the, only the people that have a lot that are pursuing those things. No. It's the human nature to pursue those things. It's, it's the flesh. And so, thank God for his grace and God's mercy and his spirit that protects us and guides us as we look at his word like we're doing this morning. The second point I want to I say is circumstances should not control you. Gulp. <laughs> circumstances should not control you. That's so easy to say, but really, circumstances control us. Depending on where we're at and the situation that we're in, circumstances have a powerful pull on us. Like it says in verse 12, I know how both to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. If you remember anything in life, circumstances are always changing. Circumstances are always changing. Life is a constant change. One person said, life is all about change. Nothing stays the same except God. Nothing stays the same. You just, I mean, you look at your life, you go, man, what happened to those years? It's like, here I am at this age now, and it's like, it's different. Your life is different. People are different. Your kids are different. The church is different. Everything is constantly changing. And if you're a normal person, a lot of us, we don't like change. But God is, a, is in the business of changing up things. And sometimes he has to shake things down to get a change in our life in a, in a, in a good way. Change. We don't like change. And life is, is nothing. I wish it was, oh, I remember when it used to be like this. You know, I, I, that was better. It's like, that's gone forever. We're just moving forward. And there's change. Look how much change in one year just in the United States. If you're not, if you're discontented, you're not going to be able to deal with change. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying you have to, you have to press into God. Uh, James 4.14. Whereas you, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now, you may look at that, and if you're a new believer, you may say, man, this is depressing. It's, it's like, what is my life? It's a vapor, appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. To me, that sets, this sets you free from yourself 
and realize your life is, a, is quick, it's gone, and so you want to live for God the best you can while you're alive. Amen? Because it is like a vapor. Boom, it's gone. And we think, and sometimes we forget, it's just, wow, where did my life go? It went by so fast. Isn't it funny when you're young, it seems like everything moves kind of slower. And then all of a sudden you get older and things are just, it's like pages in a book just flipping by. It's just going and going. And you're like, yeah, it's like, where did my life go? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Because we're talking about eternity. Amen? Eternity, it's never, ever, ever going to end. And so we're living with that hope in us of eternity. And while we're here, for the short time that we're here, and there's no guarantee you're going to live 60, 70, 80 years. Not at all. And it doesn't matter how godly you are. I've seen people that were, uh, my question was, God, why would you take that person so soon? They were such a soul winner. They were all these things. Why? Because, like we sang this morning, he's sovereign. He reigns. He does what he, he's got the best plan. He knows what he's doing. But yet we still question what God does. If you expect the same in life, you're going to be disappointed. If you expect no change, then you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be discontented with what's, what's going on. God wants us to have that spiritual contentment that I can handle this. Whatever's coming my way, I can't handle it, but he can in me. And I will get through this. What happens is we see things as, oh, that's positive, and this is negative. God doesn't look at it that way. If he's in control, there isn't anything that comes into our life that he hasn't allowed. That's the only thing that grounds me. It's just like, this is horrible, but like, he knew it, and this is, what he, this is the hand I'm being dealt, and he knows what's best for me, and I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust him. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to trust what he's doing. That sets you free. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. That sets you free, so you're not grappling over those situations. But so many people are controlled by circumstances. I've seen a lot of people in my life that a circumstance comes, comes into their life and boom, changes everything. It didn't have to, but they allowed it to. God gives us that free will. We can choose. We can't blame people for what's happened to us. We can't. We'll see that what happens is it's not the situation the situations are going to change. It's our response to those situations. How do we respond when it comes? Some respond the right way. A lot of people don't respond the right way. People's emotions are controlled by circumstances. And that's what happens when people live an up and down life. Their emotions are not grounded with God. And so it's like this. They're high, they're low, they're erratic, they're, and they're believers. Well, 
you could say that's the way it is, but it doesn't have to be that way at all. We choose to let it be that way and how we respond to situations. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to always have a perfect reaction to something. But eventually you'll get it if you're seeking God. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the strength to how to react. I can look back at my life, and I know I, I reacted horribly in some situations I wish I could take back. Hopefully I learned from that. I wish I could take that back and do it over again. What happened? My emotions. Paul saw, one thing is, Paul saw through circumstances. He could see what was going on because obviously he was seeking God. And I just want us to, there's a few verses here, but I just want to see what, this is what Paul was saying. 2 Corinthians, Chris 11, 21 and 28. To your shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes of a measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and day I have been in the, in the deep, in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches. This was the life of the Apostle Paul. You could say, well, that was Paul, that's not me. Yeah, you're not, you're not Paul, but the thing is, that's what you're capable of doing when you're walking with Christ. No matter what comes at you, you're going to be able to have victory in that because of him. Amen. So his life was not, oh, the Apostle Paul, everything was nice and smooth and cool. Are you kidding me? When you read that, you go, wow. And you would say, that's really not a loving God that would have all those things happen to the Apostle Paul. But God had a purpose for those things for his life. There's things that we're never going to understand on this side of eternity of what's going on, what God is really doing in his plan. Oh yeah, my mind is going to figure out God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's like, He's like so many steps ahead of me. He knows exactly what he's doing. All we can do is trust him and believe that he's got the best plan. I don't know if you've, how long you've lived, but do you think you've got the best plan? How has your plans worked? But sometimes we're just not that convinced. Paul knew God. He knew God was sovereign and in control. He could trust God in the midst of the most trying circumstances to perfect his purpose in his life. Did you get that? To perfect his purpose in his life. Paul trusted God enough to know that God had a purpose for what he was going through. Like I said, God is building character in us. And that's where the rubber meets the road. For us, some circumstances are good and some are bad. 
But God is at work in every situation. Every single situation. What we do is we pick and choose. Well, that's from the devil. No, that may be from God. It's just like, are you kidding me? He's in control of everything. He is sovereign. He allows people to come into your life that rub you the long, wrong way. It's like, well, this, you know, this is definitely the devil. Well, even if it is the devil, he steps aside and lets it, lets it happen. Because he's going to build character in you. What happens is we shut down and we reject that. So what happens? We, we kick and punch and cry and, and resist that. That's not of the Lord. The Lord wouldn't work that way. You'd be surprised how the Lord works. He still loves us, but just like it's tough disciplining your kids at times, that's what he's dealing with us. He's working it into us. A verse you all know, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says all things are working together for good. He's going to work good out of this miserable situation. He's going to work good out of what you're faced with. Some of the worst years of my life, I look back even as a Christian, it was like, this is a nightmare. And yet, I look back now and go, no, it wasn't a nightmare. God was doing something in me. Again, so many things are out of our control. As I said, we can only control our response to it. That's the only thing we can control is our response to what comes our way. How am I going to respond in this situation? Am I going to be discontented or am I going to be content? This is huge because people walk away from God because of these things. They walk away because of those circumstances. I don't want any of this. This is... God's not good. Look what's happened to my life. Because they have a concept of God and what his love looks like. I don't know if I'd like to meet you after church today to meet the person that's had a nice, smooth, perfect life <laughs> as a Christian. We must learn God builds into us character through the hard times. That's how he builds character. Not through the easy times, because in the easy times, you don't really, you're not really relying on him. It's in the tough times that you're going to have to draw close to him, and your character is going to be formed. Here's the problem. We dislike God's methods. That's really what it comes down to. We dislike his methods. I don't like the way this is going. I don't know why he's doing this. And then the devil will come along and just say, yeah, I know, rightly, does he really love you? Look at your life. Where's God? That's how he works. Question, make you question God's love. What is God teaching you? Ask yourself, what is God teaching me through this situation? Instead of fighting, kick against it, you draw close to him. Say, what is he trying to show me? Obviously, he's trying to show me something. There's nothing wrong with doing that. 
You may not get the, the direct answer, but the Holy Spirit, by his grace, will give you peace in the midst of that. 1 Peter 1.7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your faith is more precious than gold. And he's going to try that faith, not to break you, but to make you. Make you a strong follower of his. Psalm 119.71. Let's read this together. It is good for me. I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. That's quite a verse. It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes, or I may learn your word. Through what this thing I'm going through and I've been afflicted, it's for the reason of that I may learn his word, learn about him. One person said, if you realize the consequences, you would not change the hard times if you could. If you understood the consequences, you would not change the hard time at all. The problem is, at the moment, we don't understand the consequences. We don't understand what we're in the middle of. And God is, God is always working on the long term. The master chess player for our lives. He knows where you need to be, how you need to be, where you need to be. And he's working. And he's always ahead of us. All we have to do is follow him. Yeah, we may make the wrong. What's a bad decision? A bad decision is when you know what God wants you to do and you don't do it. A bad decision is not when you do the wrong thing, but you're trying the best you could and it came out wrong. He sees your heart. We fumble along, myself and yourself. You thought it was the right thing to do, and it turned out it wasn't. But I tried. I prayed. I, I sought God, and hopefully I learned through this. But that's not a bad decision. Bad decision is when you know what God is telling you to do something, and you just go the other way. That's a bad decision. Can you turn it around? Of course you can. Draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. You can learn through those mistakes. And the last point here is um, Christ's presence will empower you. In the context of difficulties, Paul is saying that, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That's a great verse, isn't it? I it didn't say me. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through Ted Shabelli. I can't do anything right. It has to be through him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. If you, do, if you rely on him, there isn't anything that you can't do when he's directing you because he empowers you to do it. What we do is, well, I don't really think I can do that. I don't really think that can happen in my life. All of a sudden, we know more than God. God tells you to step out in faith. 
What is stepping out in faith? It's not like I got the whole thing figured out. Now I'm going to step out. No. It's like you sense God saying, come on. And you take that step. When you take that step, he's there. And it's just like with Peter walking on the water. Peter looked down, he went down. But he walked on water when Jesus said, come. He goes ahead of us for every situation. What we do is psychoanalyze the whole thing and figure out, nah, God told me to have a brain, so I'm thinking about this, and this isn't going to work, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that may be the Holy Spirit sometimes, but a lot of times it's us. And so what happens is we, we short-circuit what God wants to do in our life. No, I'm not qualified. I can't do that. No, not smart enough. No, I remember what happened to me in the past doing that. If any person is in Christ, old things have passed away. All things become new. Amen? You're new. You're new. It doesn't matter what you were before. It's irrelevant. When you become a Christian and you're born again, you're a new person with a new potential. There's no way without God's presence would I ever be able to stand up here. I was the last person in a class to want to get up there and do an oral report. Seriously, it was, I would skip school so I wouldn't have to be there. I hated that. And then God changes things. It takes time and he works in you, but it's just like, it doesn't matter what you were before. It doesn't matter what people think of you. All that matters is what God thinks of you. So in the end, that's all that's going to count anyway. You stand for the judgment seat of Christ. Your mother's not going to be there pointing the finger, you know, like what things you did wrong. It'll only be you and Jesus. All that matters is what he thinks of you. We can deal with any situation through the power of Christ, Ephesians 3.20. Let's say this together. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think how according to his power that works in us. His power working through us. Not my power. I have no power. I may think I have power, but he's got the power. He's the power source. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus on the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And God's inside of you if you're born again and you have a spirit. Is there any limit to that power? No. It's that power that, that prevents us from getting discontented. Okay, whatever, if, you know. So if I die, I die, or this happens, who cares? It's like my name's written in the book, I'm going to heaven. That's how I look at it. Are you kidding me? 
I, I, like I said, the last message was like, when I found out I had eternal life, are you kidding me? That's the greatest news in the world. I didn't know that. I thought I had to work my way to get there. I never knew if I did enough. Once I knew it, the truth will set you free. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Your name is written in the book. No trouble, no conflict, no difficulty that cannot over, that we can't overcome. We live in an exchange life. The power of God living us and through us. It's an exchange life. It's the power of God working in us and through us. That's the exchange. He takes over. I exchange that. Let him do it. Well, I really don't want to do that because he may have me do things that I really don't want to do. Hmm. Think about that. I know better than God, and I have a better plan than God. It doesn't even make sense, does it? At all. And yet, that's how we live. We get fearful. We get apprehensive. We get insecure. No. I don't think I can trust God for that. 2 Corinthians, finishing up here, chapter 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, this was Jesus talking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. These are life, these are life verses. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You're weak, I'm strong. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, really, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. You know what that saying is? Okay, you're done with your own personal strength? Good, you're weak. Then I'm strong. God says, now I'll be strong. He won't compete your strength against his strength, even though you think, you know, even though it's going on, it's like he's not, it's like his, it's not even a comparison, but he's not gonna, he's not gonna argue with you and twist your arm. He gives you a free will to choose what you want to do. You're weak. What happens is when we feel we're weak, we pull back. Now, for me, it's just like, I'm weak, good. I gotta be weak for him to work. He's the strength. But we, we think it the opposite way. Oh, I'm weak. I can't do it. You know, this is too much. Um, I'm discontent that I can't really, you know. No, you just got to take the next step. You're weak. He's strong. These are basic, simple things. And yet, imagine if we live our life this way, what God will do through us. What happens is we disqualify ourselves all the time. Even, didn't Moses do that? I stutter. I can't even talk. Okay, don't worry about it. I'll get your brother. He'll do the talking. God can work in ways that we have no clue. We live by faith. Christ is the center of it all. Colossians 1.27 To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that that's operating that doesn't that causes you not to be discontented 
and to have contentment in life. It's Christ in you. It's not Ted Shabelli in me. It's Christ in me. He's the hope of our glory. Now you know that there's, we say we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's limitless what God can do in our lives. And yet we set the limits. He wants to do things, and some of you out there, that are going to take you way beyond yourself. That's okay, because then you have to trust him and just watch him do it. And in the end, he gets the glory, not you. And all glory should go to him. Our challenge, always focus on Christ. One person says, it seems when we have exhausted every, all of our options, then we turn to God in prayer. When all of our options are all done, uh, okay, I'll turn to God now. It should be him first. He's the first option. We check out every option, then we go to him. Doesn't stop God's love for us. He still loves us. He's got grace for us. But it just must amuse him. <laughs> like, okay. And he continues to work. Just because you do that doesn't stop him from working in your life. He keeps coming around. It's all grace. It's him. He keeps drawing us. He keeps working on us. He doesn't abandon us. Even though we disqualify ourselves, he doesn't disqualify us. Christ is the key to everything, to our peace, to our contentment, and weathering the storms of life. Paul had learned the secret. Focus on Christ, on his purpose for your life. Trust him in every situation. Trust him in every situation. Trust him in every situation. Every situation. Trust him. What happens with us? Yeah, yeah, I trust him. Then we come over here and start figuring out our, whatever, our plan or you know, well, God wants me to use my brain, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. But, but a brain that's controlled by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit directing you. We're living in a time, it's all around us. People are discontented. We don't have to be that way. I didn't say perfect. I'm not saying you're not going to walk out of here and fail. You just pick yourself up and keep moving. The righteous fall seven times, they just pick themselves up. They keep moving. I'm making mistakes. You're making mistakes. I'm having failures. But that's not stopping me. Because I understand who I am. Without him, I'm nothing. The, the question that comes down to is, people say that, but they don't really believe it. He's everything, I'm nothing. Because you know that's the right thing to say. But deep in your heart, do you believe that? Once you're in that place where you realize that and you believe it, watch what he'll do. I'm going to close in prayer and then I'm going to close our song for us. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you put in us, that we don't have to figure this out. You will guide and direct us into all truth. Thank you for our brothers and sisters here this morning that they want to seek you, they want to find your way, God. I just pray that they would hear your voice, that still small voice. They're discontented. I just pray they just turn back to you. They would know that you love them, you have a perfect plan for their life. Every situation. 
Maybe if you're here this morning or maybe if you're online watching, maybe your life is, is one big piece of discontentment and it will be without Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus wants to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But you need to turn from yourself and turn to him. Ask him into your life this morning. Tell him that you know you've sinned, you've fallen short, and you turn to him, the one who died on the cross for all of our sins and offers us forgiveness and eternal life. I say, Jesus, come in and save me. Is there anyone here this morning that I want to do that? Just say, Jesus, come in and save me. And he will. If you're online, just ask him in. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you that this love that you have for us is supernatural. Lord, protect us from the guilt and condemnation of the enemy that try to make us think something contrary to this and feel guilty over being discontented. You've already died for those sins. You died for our past, present, and future sins. You, got, where you don't even see iniquity in us anymore. You see the righteousness of your son in us. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.